This episode is sponsored by Vaxxed 2, The People's Truth, which is the follow-up to the award-winning documentary, Vaxxed. We were in for much more than we bargained for. We were about to have an education that you just couldn't buy. This is just the biggest lie ever told. Nobody in their right mind would ever take this vaccine if they, if they actually read the clinical literature. This has actually been proven that these vaccines cause cardiovascular instability in these infants. It causes death, and they admit it. Those injured families, you have to appreciate what you've done. Sharing your stories online, sharing your stories on the vast bus has grown a movement. After his 12-month vaccines, he lost eye contact. Like an idiot, I went back for his 15-month vaccines, and he completely stopped talking. He couldn't crawl anymore or talk anymore. He couldn't eat anymore. He couldn't swallow. Screaming, and you could tell they were in so much pain. Now he has seizures. He's almost died on me several times. It was the people's story. Their story is the same over and over and over again. This is a truth podcast where we question everything and no topic is off limits. I got it all covered. Discover the truths about topics you were never taught in school. Learn the uncomfortable and inconvenient truths about current events, geopolitics, culture, economics, and healthcare. You're now listening to the truth podcast. Question everything. And now your host, Richard. It is Monday, December 9, 2019, and welcome back to The Truth Podcast, where we question everything. This week, our topic, is the pharmaceutical industry lying about vaccine safety? Well, let's answer that question. Now, given the number of vaccines children receive today, many parents are naturally concerned whether their child may be getting too many or too many at one time. But instead of taking their legitimate concerns seriously, Public health officials and the mainstream corporate media just insult their intelligence and straight up lie to them in order to manipulate them into compliance. Among the criminally irresponsible lies that parents are being told is that the safety of children receiving today's vaccine regimen have been scientifically demonstrated and even that babies could theoretically receive 10,000 vaccines safely at once. In 1953, the CDC recommended 16 doses of four vaccines by the age of six. By 1983, the childhood schedule had expanded to include 23 doses of seven vaccines by the age of six. Since 2013, the CDC has recommended 50 doses of 14 vaccines by age six. This has naturally led many parents to wonder whether getting too many vaccines or too many at once might be potentially harmful to their child. Now, to reassure concerned parents, the U.S. Centers for Disease and Prevention, the CDC, states that on its website, getting multiple vaccines at the same time has been shown to be safe. Now, scientific data, as the CDC continues, shows that getting several vaccines at the same time does not cause any chronic health problems. A number of studies have been done to look at the effects of giving various combinations of vaccines and 
when every new vaccine is licensed and has been tested along with the vaccines already recommended for a particular age child." Unquote. It is not difficult to imagine how a concerned parent reading this information might breathe a sigh of relief. Having come to the understanding that no vaccines are added to the CDC's schedule until randomized placebo-controlled clinical trials have been conducted to determine the safety of children getting that vaccine, along with every other vaccine on the CDC's routine childhood vaccine schedule. That, at least, is how most parents would likely interpret what the CDC is saying. And it's not an unreasonable interpretation, I mean, given that the CDC is wording. It is apparently the conclusion that the CDC wants anyone reading those statements to draw. Evidently, relying on CDC for information, it's certainly the interpretation that the Washington Post relays to concerned parents and similarly reassuring them that, quote unquote, no new immunization is added to the schedule until it has been evaluated both alone and when given the other current immunizations. The problem with the Post's statement is that it's a lie. The Washington Post was contacted to inform them that their statement was false and they were requesting a correction. While the burden of proof was on them to produce any such studies to support their claim, to save them from the trouble of searching for studies that don't exist, they provided them with quotations from the sources in the medical literature stating explicitly that no such studies have been done. They quoted from a 2000 report by the Institute of Medicine, for example, stating that, quote, studies designed to examine the long-term effects of the cumulative number of vaccines or other aspects of the immunization schedule have not been conducted, unquote. After several attempts, they finally reached the author of that Post article, Lena H. Sun, by phone. She acknowledged that the editorial board had received their letter of correction and that it was under review. She also explicitly acknowledged having been made aware of that the IOM report and what it had to say about it. Despite knowing the truth to this day, both her and the Post editorial board have refused to issue a correction to their readers, and the article still continues to blatantly lie to parents in order to persuade them to obediently line up and get their children vaccinated. This is because vaccination has become a religion. Lena H. Sun and the Post editorial board are simply faithful adherents to the vaccine religion, so they choose to believe their own falsehood rather than accept the truth stated plainly by the IOM. They choose to continue lying to parents rather than acknowledge that the reality of the safety of the CDC's routine childhood vaccine schedule has not been scientifically demonstrated. After all, to acknowledge that particular truth would be to commit the crime of hearsay against the vaccine religion. If you look at the CDC's statement more closely, you'll see that it's not actually saying what Lena H. Sun and the Washington Post editors apparently believe, it's saying strictly on faith. The people at the CDC responsible for communicating this reassurance to concerned parents much more cleverly worded their statements in a way that would lead parents, as well as lazy, unthinking mainstream journalists, to the desired conclusion without actually coming out and directly making the false claim that no vaccine is added to their schedule until studied for safety when given in combination with every other. Look again at the CDC's wording. Quote, a number, unquote, of studies 
have been done on various combinations of vaccines and every new vaccine has been tested along with the vaccines already recommended. When the CDC says along with in that statement, it doesn't mean in combination with, it just means in addition to. All that the CDC is really saying here is that prior to being added to the CDC's schedule, all vaccines undergo clinical trials to study their safety when administered individually. And there are some studies testing the safety of administering several vaccines at once. The CDC does not mean that no new immunization is added to the schedule until it has been evaluated both alone and when given with other current immunizations. That's just what it wants people to believe, evidently. So this explains why, when mainstream media outlets like the Washington Post make false statements about vaccine safety, the CDC makes absolutely no effort to correct the record so as to prevent the general public from being misinformed. It is only information, whether incorrect or accurate, that would lead people to avoid vaccination that the CDC concerns itself with combating. So long as the misinformation results in higher vaccination rates, the CDC is fine with it. To further illustrate how the CDC deliberately deceives the public in this regard, on an FAQ page for its quote-unquote Parents' Guide to Childhood Immunizations, unquote, the CDC offers the following. Question. Can't so many vaccines overwhelm a child's immune system? Answer. We may not know exactly how many germs a baby's immune system can handle at one time, but it is considerably more than they will ever get from vaccines. After all, this is the immune system's job. From the day a baby is born, her immune system has to deal with the thousands of germs she is exposed to as part of daily life. As one doctor put it, worrying about too many vaccines is like worrying about a thimble of water getting you wet when you are swimming in an ocean." Unquote. The CDC doesn't provide any sources, but a simple Google search reveals that the quote is taken from an article published on the website quackwatch.org. That in turn cites a paper published in Pediatrics in January of 2002 to support its argument that infants could theoretically handle getting 10,000 vaccines at once. The lead author for that paper was Paul Oft, who argued on the basis of certain assumptions that every infant has the theoretical capability to respond to about 10,000 vaccines at any one time. Hmm. So, why the 10,000 vaccines I once claim is a, is a bold-faced lie? Well, it's certainly no surprise that the CDC would rely on Paul Offit as a source of information about vaccine safety. After all, from 1998 to 2003, he sat on the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. During that time, he voted three times in favor of the rotavirus vaccine, including the decision to add this vaccine to the Vaccines for Children's program. All the while, Offit was being paid by the pharmaceutical corporation Merck to develop a rotavirus vaccine. And when he later sold his share in the patent of that vaccine, he profited several million dollars. Offit also happens to be a regular go-to quote-unquote expert on vaccines for the mainstream media. His 2002 pediatrics paper was written specifically to address parents' concern about children getting too many vaccines or too many at once. It was titled, Addressing Parents' Concern. 
do multiple vaccines overwhelm or weaken the infant's immune system? In arriving at his conclusion that infants could receive 10,000 vaccines at once, he assumed that each vaccine would contain 100 antigens, arguing that his estimate is conservative because most vaccines contain far fewer than 100 antigens. Now, hepatitis B vaccine, for example, he claimed, contains just one antigen. But that is an incredibly audacious lie. The CDC defines an antigen as a foreign substance in the body that is capable of causing disease, the presence of which triggers an immune response. When Paul Offit claimed in his paper that Hep B vaccine contains just one antigen, he was deceptively redefining the word antigen to only mean the antigen in the vaccine that is derived from the virus or bacteria that causes the disease that the vaccine is intended to prevent. Specifically, he was referring to a protein referred to as hepatitis B surface antigen. It is true that this protein is the only antigen from the hepatitis B virus used in the manufacture of the hep B vaccine. However, it is emphatically not the only antigen in the vaccine. In proclaiming otherwise, Offit and his co-authors were completely ignoring the existence of any and all other antigenic ingredients in vaccines. Among other antigens, the Hep B vaccine also contains aluminum. In fact, although aluminum is a known neurotoxin, this antigen is included in the vaccine precisely because it causes an increased immune response. This kind of ingredient is known as an adjuvant, the purpose of which, as the CDC also informs us, is to increase the body's immune response to a vaccine. For example, to increase the level of antibodies produced in response to vaccination so that an amount considered protective can be obtained, which is required to obtain lysature by the FDA. Often argued that infants actually encounter fewer antigens in vaccines today than they did 40 or 100 years ago. For example, the smallpox vaccine contained about 200 proteins of the target antigen where was 11 vaccine routinely recommended in 2002 contained a combined total of fewer than 130 proteins. This is deceptive. However, because it completely ignores the fact where was the smallpox vaccine contained no adjuvant, vaccine manufacturers today are able to use fewer target disease antigens today than in previous generations of vaccines in large part because of the adjuvants in many vaccines, typically aluminum. Without the adjuvant, these vaccines would not stimulate the blood concentration of antibodies required to get their products to market. Note that although his paper was written to assure parents that children can safely receive a great number of vaccines, Office hypothesis was actually strictly limited to the question of whether an infant's immune system would respond to the antigenic challenge of 10,000 vaccines at once. If you read carefully, you'll see that Offit and his co-authors actually did not even inquire whether it would be safe to do this. They wrote about the quote-unquote number of estimated vaccines which a child could respond. They did not write about the estimated number of vaccines which a child could safely receive. Now, of course, parents aren't concerned about whether their child's immune system could respond to many vaccines at once. They're concerned about whether their child's immune response to too many vaccines at once could be harmful. To starkly illustrate the implications of asking the wrong question, notice that Offit and his co-authors completely ignored the question of whether it would be safe 
for an infant to receive the amount of aluminum they would be exposed to if receiving 10,000 vaccines? Some quick math gives us a pretty good indication of the answer. Now, with respect to aluminum, the federal government has established the safety limit for vaccines at a maximum of 1,250 micrograms. The hepatitis B vaccine contains 250 micrograms. So, if a child was to receive 10,000 doses of the Hep B vaccine at once, they would be injected with 2.5 million micrograms of neurotoxic aluminum. This is the same Paul Offit who has, in the op-ed pages of the New York Times, accused parents of child abuse for not vaccinating their children, yet injecting those same children with 2,000 times the amount. The government's own safety limit for aluminum exposure would not be child abuse, by Paul Offer's demented reasoning, which rises to a level of blatant, deliberate deception that is characteristically of psychopathy. And this is precisely the same fallacious and demented reasoning that the CDC relies upon to dismiss parents' concern about their child receiving too many vaccines. Now, look again at the careful wording and limited scope of the CDC's answers to parents' question about the safety of their child receiving so many vaccines. From a day a baby is born, her immune system has to deal with the thousands of germs she is expected to as part of daily life. As one doctor put it, Worrying about too many vaccines is like worrying about a thimble of water getting you wet when you are swimming in an ocean. Now, notice that the CDC's answer considers only the infant's exposure to germs from vaccines. That is, only the viral or the bacterial antigenic components. The CDC, like Paul Offit, willfully and deliberately ignores the fact, of which they are perfectly well aware, that these are not the only antigens in the vaccines like the neurotoxic mercury, and multi-dose vials of influenza vaccines are not quote-unquote germs. We are not already swimming in them, or we'd be dead. And parents' concern that receiving too many vaccines at once might harm their child is not only perfectly legitimate, but scientifically validated. That's the truth that the CDC just doesn't want you to know, hence the willful deception which the mainstream media and other high priests of the vaccine religion are all too willingly to amplify in order to manipulate people into compliance with the public vaccine policy. So, I've said it plenty of times already in the multiple podcasts that we've done on vaccines, and I'll say it again now. Drug companies and the medically trained definitely have their place. There are plenty of truly dedicated, super ethical, and ultra-caring medical professionals out there, and I personally know several of them. Sadly, as is the case for every other walk of life or global demographic, there are elements, unfortunately, a large number of elements within the drug and the medical fraternity that are out and out crooked. And these elements have quite willingly put your health and the health of your loved ones at serious risk and will very likely continue to keep doing so. All for the sake of the usual weakness, greed, pure and simple. Now, just cutting to the chase, even though guilt for cover-ups, bribery, and corruption of every kind has been positively proven, for many drug companies, there has never yet been any single individual been made to face the full wrath of the law that you and I would face should we commit the same type of crime in other arenas. No convictions, no prison terms. It's truly amazing, but 
Not surprising when you get to understand the amount of cash that's involved in the pharmaceutical industry. Multinational pharmaceutical company GlasgowSmithKline, a $3 billion fine to settle criminal charges due to bribery, giving doctors cash payments or expensive gifts so they would positively market and prescribe their drugs, dubious marketing of a further assortment of non-approved drugs, cover-ups and outright lies when dealing with the US FDA, and misreporting, safety tests for type 2 diabetes drug Avandia. To date, there has been at least five US pharmaceutical chains that have sued Pfizer, a major pharmaceutical company who used dirty tactics and corrupt manipulations to stonewall the introduction and use of lowering cost genetic versions of Lipitor, a cholesterol inhibitor. Looking back over the last few months, I found report after report proving that pharmaceutical companies are lying, underreporting, and covering up crucial evidence in a bid to mislead the public into buying and using dangerous drugs and vaccines. I suggest, on the face of this evidence alone, next time your doctor offers you or your child a drug or vaccine, that you do your own research and weigh up all of the evidence because it is clear the pharmaceutical industries are lying cheats out to make a profit at any cost. Guys, I thank you for listening to this week's Topic of the Truth podcast. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday and, of course, the rest of your week. And we'll catch you right here next week on the Truth Podcast, where we question everything. Take care. God bless.